Yassus, and welcome to the Greece Travel Secrets podcast. Your host is the founder of the Greece Travel Secrets website, Sandy Pappas, and she's joined by a variety of guests covering all sorts of topics about visiting Greece and making the most of your Greek odyssey. Welcome back, listeners, to part two of my chat with Ilona Bash, archaeologist. And this time she's talking about more of the things that she saw on the mainland in her fabulous Greek odyssey. What happened after that? We headed to Olympia, which, of course, is the ancient site of the Olympic Games. Also on the Peloponnese, but over on in the west. Yes, yeah, so I kept saying this is the West Peloponnese. The Nafplion is the Eastern Peloponnese, East. and so yeah. we then drove over to the Western Peloponnese. It's about a two-hour drive, two and a half hours. On the way, we stopped. I had thought about stopping at Sparta because, of course, Sparta is such an important historical uh, culture, but the Spartans did not build <laughs> monumental architecture in the same way the Athenians did, and there's really no. nothing to see there. And also most of it's been destroyed in earthquakes and rebuilt. So it's a fairly modern town, not much there, except for Mistress. Now Mistress is 20 minutes out. Yeah. yeah. So instead of stopping at Sparta, we stopped at Mistress, which is uh, mm-hmm. it's actually a Byzantine city. It does not date back to ancient Greece. It dates back yeah. to um, kind of the five or six hundreds. It was a fully functioning city until the early tw- early to mid 20th century when it was abandoned and it, but it still has a population who live there that serve the convent that is still active at the site mm-hmm. but it's a fully intact byzantine city up the side of this mountain it's very steep take your walking shoes yeah good for hiking but yeah. the views from the top are indescribably beautiful you can see yeah. the whole of the peloponnese yeah. and the corinthian sea it's just well, that's a great amazing. that's a great spot. I don't think again a lot of people would think to do that. Um, and then you kept going to Olympia. Yes, we did. So we spent we spent a couple of nights there visiting. It's a tiny tiny town at Olympia, built entirely to service the, um, the ancient. ancient site. So you know, so it is quite touristy, but the people were unbelievably lovely. Um, the ancient site is amazing. It's got some really good. You can really kind of feel the way people interacted with it because so many of the open spaces have been maintained, like the site as a whole has been maintained rather than just bits of it. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting to me to see some of the Roman buildings because the Romans continued the traditions of the games. Because, of course, if anybody's missed the point of Olympia, um, (laughs) it was where the first Olympics um, were held. Um, And what a lot of people don't know is there were actually four games in the Greek uh, holy calendar. These were holy occasions. Biggest was at Olympia, but another one of them was held actually in the wine region you mentioned before at Nemea. And there is a Mm -hmm. uh, portion of that site still remaining. But again, it is one of those sites that's probably not as interesting unless you're very into archaeology. And and of course, the stadium at Athens was also used. The Panathenic. um, the Panathenic Stadium, sorry, is the modern one, but it was similar. It's, counter, it, it, yeah. it's, it's predecessor. <laughs> yes. Because, of course, that book that I mentioned earlier, that young man was constantly training for, mm-hmm. for the Olympics and was a revered athlete mm-hmm. um, at the time. And I think I kind of knew this, but it still, still um, makes you think. They all participated in the Games naked, right? Yes. No one wore any clothing. Yes. Um, so, you would oil yourself up and 
do a foot race. Yeah. Uh, yes, very interesting. Um, anyway, <laughs> different times. <laughs> Only imagine, men. Uh, Only imagine, men. Well, that's right. Women weren't even allowed to participate. Yeah. And the, the sports were – they had a set series of sports that were done every year and they, they were very much – sports were – this competition was very much for the honour of the gods. Like people became athletes to – um, show their dedication to particular yeah. religious entities. It had a very different connotation than it does today. I think they did get – I'm trying to think what they got. I don't think they got a medal. I think they got they, – The a, laurel an, leaves? Yeah, right. laurel leaves was the main yeah. prize. Main because it was such an important religious festival, star athletes would gain patronage from noble people to keep training and to support them and that sort of thing. Yeah. It's just so fascinating to think when you're standing there looking at that, that this is a a ritual or a tradition that we still follow today yeah. every four years. I know that there is my husband is firmly of the belief that the Olympics should be only in Greece. <laughs> they should be in Greece. Every time. They should be in Greece every time. It Look, it would save a lot of angst, a lot of but money. I, I think moving it around the world is it more in keeping with the – idea because the Greeks moved it around what they thought of as the world Greece, which was yeah. Greece there was in four different locations around the world to include everyone so we now move it around what our world is it's also worth mentioning again like um, Epidavros and Athens there's also a festival mm-hmm. in ancient Olympia oh, well it's called the International Festival of Ancient Olympia and it's held every summer as well um so there are websites where you can check out the schedules and again maybe go and if you're lucky enough to be there then you could go and see mm-hmm. a performance so what happened I, i'm assuming you're going to say you perhaps went up to delphi, delphi was next from here and look we were driving and i have to say the drive so you you head up the Eastern Peloponnese and cross the very long bridge or go over on the ferry, be prepared because it is yep. the most expensive toll I've ever paid in my entire yep. life yep. to cross that bridge. I think it's just been paid. I think the bridge has just been paid off uh-huh. back to the Germans. So I'm not sure if the toll has been reduced. I think it was reduced, 35 but... euros when we were there. It was, yeah, right. but, you know, the ferry was the same. I think it has gone down. Mm. Um, it's, just be, it's just something to be prepared for. Normally you only carry a little bit for tolls. But that drive yeah. from that bridge up to Athens through the mountains, uh, up to Delphi, sorry, along the coast through the mountains, is probably the most spectacularly scenic drive I've ever done in my life. Yeah, it's beautiful. So you would have gone through Nafpaktos mm-hmm. and, and Galaxidi. You may have seen my recent article we did not on Galaxidi. <laughs> uh, we spent, well, we look, we didn't spend a lot of time there in July, just gone, but um, but we were lucky enough to get there and spend the day, and it was really lovely. These are mm-hmm. charming, charming um, seaside villages, which actually have a lot of history as well, because before that bridge was built, these were major ports and shipbuilding mm-hmm. towns. I didn't know until I went to the Naval Museum in uh, in Galaxidi that it produced more ships than any other place in uh, Greece at the time of a higher quality than the ones on Syros, which was where they're still being built to this day. And a lot of people were employed in that industry along yeah. there. So today, not surprising, there's some really excellent seafood oh, wow. to yeah. and Always worth having yeah. lunch. I would say that nearly everywhere in Greece, it's always worth having lunch. 
<laughs> yeah, pretty much. I think you might be right. I'm yet to have a bad bad meal anywhere, except once at a, an Italian restaurant. My one bad meal was actually in Delphi. Um, and oh, so Delphi, really? like Olympia, is built enti- almost entirely to service the ancient sites. Um, so people need I, – I don't think people understand that Delphi was only – it only came about because the, they were all camped once, mm-hmm. I guess, or had – had taken residence on the ancient mm-hmm. site and they were relocated by yes. the government down to this pur- purpose-built town next door. And I have to say it was probably my least favourite place to stay in Greece. Um, yeah, yeah. I just, Which is why we tell people to go to Arahova. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we discovered that quite by accident. We were, we'd gotten to a point in our trip where we were honestly, and don't, don't crucify me for this, but we were getting a bit sick of Greek food. and so we were looking for something else and we found an Italian restaurant in Arachova with very good reviews it's probably to this day amongst the best Italian food I've ever eaten in my life and I used to work as a cook in an Italian restaurant so and it is just the most charming town Mm, it's beautiful and um, for people listening in as as we were just saying you can go to the town of Delphi which is yeah. to, I guess, the left of the ancient site, or you can go to the town of Arahova. Both of them are only sort of five, ten minutes either side, mm-hmm. and Arahova is a much nicer, much older, much more uh, authentic town, and it's also a beautiful place in winter. It's one of the most uh, popular places for people to visit in winter uh, mm-hmm. as it is one of the most significant ski resorts in, in Greece, and I haven't seen it well, it looks like a chalet village, like it's all those little close stone houses and it's snow yeah. on it. I have heard people refer to it as the Mykonos of winter, which is a bit concerning as well. Um, mm-hmm. I can only imagine the apres ski or off-pist yeah. must be quite lively mm-hmm. at night time, I'd say. But it is a beautiful town and we had a, a lovely lunch there as well in um, July when we visited Delphi and the views over that entire valley and out to the sea. I think even if you don't appreciate Mm. history when you go to Delphi, you'll still be, um, you know, absolutely mesmerised I would say the only thing to keep in mind is that so we walked from Delphi town to the ancient site and that's you have to watch out for the big buses but that's quite doable. I don't know if you would be able to walk from Arahova because it's quite steep down a switchback road. Even though it's not very far, I think walking would not be viable from there. So you would just have to factor that into your plans. Delphi, so Delphi, as we said right at the start of this podcast, I don't know, it might be another episode by now. Um, (laughs) It was the religious centre of the whole of what we call classical Greece. The Greeks considered it to be the centre of the world and there's actually quite an interesting shaped Mm -hmm. stone. It's like a cone shape that's called the omphalos in the centre of the site at Delphi, which the Greek omphalos Mm -hmm. is the belly button stone. So the myth is is that Zeus wanted to find the the centre of the world, so he picked up a rock and he threw it as far as he could and where it landed was the centre of the world and where it landed is at Delphi. So there's temples to pretty much every god you can think mm-hmm. of, although the sanctuary as a whole was dedicated to Apollo uh, as the god of prophecy because there was a prophetess, the oracle at Delphi. Uh, it's mm-hmm. the Pythia, it's ne- which the is, Pythia. of course, where the modern word mm-hmm. python comes mm-hmm. from because snakes are sacred to Apollo. Uh, mm. 
it's now mm. thought that she mm. that there are because there are volcanic gases that come out of the ground there that there was some kind of s- psychoactive substance Too happening. High. Um, <laughs> so the site of Delphi itself is amazing. Make sure you make time to walk just to the other side of the road down the mountains and visit the Tholos of Athena as well, uh, which is a yeah, yeah, which is actually the I, so I would say gorgeous. that's the most photographed part. And when think people think of Delphi, they they that that's what they think of. And often when they go to Delphi, they, they don't miss the do most that beautiful walk down bit. the hill. Yeah, so the the guides we didn't take a tour. But the guidebooks all have great walking tours of the Delphi site. Like there's a number of important things to see on the way, the uh, the treasury of Athens and the, the pentagonal wall and things like that. Um, but I would really encourage people to make sure you've set aside a good couple of hours in your day to visit the museum there as well, which is excellent. And it maintains – That's very mm. important. And just outside the entrance, something I think people miss is there's several um, mosaics, ground floor mosaics that have been preserved in situ, in place, with just the perspex over the top of them. Mm. And they're, they're really mm. intricate and amazing. Yes. Yeah. I love how they do that throughout Greece, and I think they do it in Italy too. But even if, um, you know, somebody opens a, a hotel or a shop or whatever it is, and during the renovation or mm-hmm. construction phase, they come across anything yeah. from antiquity, it must be preserved and they have to put that glass or perspex over it. And in fact, you may have heard that the new uh, metro sh- uh, station in Piraeus at the port has just opened, but it's very late because they found artifacts Not at all surprising. whilst <laughs> digging those um, tunnels. So, of course, <laughs> no, not at all surprising, mm-hmm. but did cause uh, quite quite a number of delays. Um, I was just going to say, mm-hmm. look, we, we did get a guide in Delphi. It was all mm-hmm. set up for us. Uh, by Terry because we did our tour with him from Athens. It's a very, as I said, easy day day trip from Athens. It's about two hours in the car. We spent, yeah, about two hours on the site, two and a half, and then another hour and probably two hours in Arahova um, mm. and then back to Athens. So it was easy, nice, nice day trip. I think if I, I wouldn't go to Meteora for the day, it's mm-hmm. just too far, um, but Delphi's quite quite viable but our guide was excellent he just was such a nice young man he had such a nice way yeah. about him and I know that's important and having him he would sit us under a tree and explain things to us before we'd even go and see them so we found that uh, really really um, made our experience a lot more enriched I guess because we knew what we were talk- what we were looking at but as you say there are books if you're a reader and if you don't mind self guiding then I think one of the wonderful things about Greece for me is how passionate the Greek people I met were about their ancient sites and their culture they're very engaged with their history so it's a lovely thing yeah despite possibly having said the same things multiple times during the day you'd think we're the first customer you know they've ever had but yeah Meteora is the next stop I made um so we we took a car around all of the mainland and then hopped on the ferries and aeroplanes for the yep. islands. So we, we arrived in Greece at about 4pm and then picked up the car on the spot and stayed in uh, a little Airbnb close to the beaches near the airport for one night just to recover from the, the 24 hours mm-hmm. of flying mm-hmm. that it takes to get there from Australia. Yeah. Um, yeah. And drove out the next morning. And from the outskirts of Athens, it was fine. 
there was no problems. We had no problems with the traffic. Greek drivers yeah. Um, yeah. are very free people, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> Rules are suggestions at best, but if you drive defensively <laughs> and within your own comfort zone, just make sure you do stay in the right hand, as right far right as possible on the roads to let all the Greeks pass you. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, I think when you go out on those highways that, mm-hmm. you know, go ra- around Athens, so you don't have to go into the city itself, um, they're very modern. Mm-hmm. They've got tolls on them and Greeks don't like paying do. the tolls. So they tend to stick to the old roads. And so there's no traffic on these new modern roads. So if you're happy to pay the tolls, as you say, they can add up. Um, but mm-hmm. you'll you'll literally come across almost no traffic at all and you'll have the whole they have them all very to yourself. Easy. So Outside the driving's of the very we'll very get to Thessaloniki easy. in a minute yeah. and <laughs> yes. Meteora. Well let's get yes. to Meteora first. So we stayed at, right on the outskirts of Kalambaka, right at the foot of the the mountains, the the peaks, um, and the trailhead up to the Grand Meteoron Monastery started right behind our accommodation. So again, we stayed in an Airbnb. A lot of Airbnbs in Greece yeah. are basement flats that have been built for elderly parents to live in, and very sadly, of course. Yeah. Those parents yeah. eventually pass away. And then there's all this empty space in people's houses that they then um, often rent out through Airbnb. So now some people would say, unfortunately, but I don't. On the day we were at Meteora, it was raining. Not a lot of rain, it was, but it was overcast and misting rain all mm. day. So it was cool. We were there in uh, either late September or early October, but... The walk okay. up yeah. to the monasteries, because it's through forest, the low clouds and the mountains coming in and out of the mist mm-hmm. and the light that that created was yeah. completely magical. It's one of the most it, closest things to a religious experience I've mm. ever had. Mm. It's just gradually emerging. And then oh, on wow. the – because there's a lot of steps up if you ta- – be prepared. There are a lot of steps it's 200 and something, I think, up to the monastery. But as we passed through the yeah. clouds and the monasteries came out of them, just emerging through the mist into our sight, and it was unbelievable. And by the time we got to the top, mm. the clouds had cleared quite a bit um, and we did have some great views as well. But we didn't get the sunset, which is the famous thing to do there because the clouds came back in. But I do not regret going mm. on a cloudy mm. day at all. Do not worry about the weather because you will have an unbelievable, memorable experience regardless. Mm. Um, I mean, the sunset, actually, yeah, you're right. It is absolutely unbelievable. But, yeah, the whole place is. So you're still not going to – you won't regret no. ever. No one will ever regret going to Meteora. Now, technically, no. Meteora is not an archaeological site. So we've it let is it ancient. slip into this discussion. But, I mean, it's so – and it's so significant. We can't pretend it didn't. You didn't go there, although, and 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 it doesn't exist. Um, and I think everybody should go to Meteora, even if it's just their first trip to Greece, because mm-hmm. you get such a contrast to Athens, to the islands. Because they are monasteries, a, a lot of people do go on a religious uh, for religious reasons. If you are not religious, I would encourage you to go anyway. I am not religious. But the buildings are amazing. There's several 
little galleries and museums of ancient Byzantine art and texts, but also just the sheer geological wonder of these spikes sitting up in the middle of this huge flat plain. It's and it's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. It's yeah, very, very beautiful. Unique. Again, I have a whole guide to um, to visiting Meteora on the website. You'll find it under the well on the mainland page, um, which is growing rapidly. Um, but it also talks about we spent several days in Meteora and we had a car as well, and we got out and explored uh, a lot of that whole Thessaly region. We went down to Tricala uh, t- uh, town, really um, south of Meteora and we sought out these beautiful medieval stone bridges and waterfalls and we went up into the mountains behind the monasteries and we came across herds of wild horses and child shepherds, uh, flocks of sheep and goats and it was just amazing, a whole other different world and and something very different. We took visitors from or Mm -hmm. friends from Australia so they were really quite amazed. Um, It's not the Greece. And that's the surprise of it and the surprise at how wonderful it is is a real benefit to visiting mainland Greece. Exactly. So assume you headed back, back we to We went Athens to Thessaloniki. No? Oh, you went north. Well, Thessaloniki. I always, the city uh, of ghosts. Salonika, yes. So, which is a fantastic mm. city mm. and so underrated. It is, it, absolutely, 100%. Such a good city. And to me it's like Athens – Mini Athens, half the price. When you're in Athens, you're always very aware that you're a tourist and it's set up for tourists and everybody is treating you like a tourist. Thessaloniki is yeah. not a tourist city yeah. um, and the people there are just getting on with their lives. So no. it's a university town and a port, a very important port to this day. Um, people there are just getting on with their lives so you don't feel as much like a tourist in Thessaloniki as you do in Athens. So And it's such a melting pot. I really was really struck by that, but I didn't appreciate how close it was to Bulgaria mm-hmm. and to Turkey and that people yep. are coming just for the day. Everybody's just moving around up there. And I I, I was super impressed mm-hmm. too with just how much there is to amazing. see and do. Well Thessaloniki itself has a lot of amazing places to go. There's several the city itself was founded by Alexander the Great. So there's not a lot of the really old Greek stuff in Thessaloniki itself. Mm-hmm. Most of it is Roman built, but it's right. There's big plazas that there's a hole in the middle of them that you walk down into and the ancient site is just preserved in the middle of the plaza. Um, Underneath. Yeah. 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 So good. And great food. It's the, the food best meal we had in Greece, Greece, they say. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's another... That's a whole other. <laughs> the best meal we had in Greece, we ate at this one restaurant three times in a row. It's called Heavy Melon, Tovari Paponi. Um, and it's just a little family-run modern Greek food. Unbelievable. Yeah. I had a great meal at a place called The Greek, which I, I remember someone at the hotel said, where did you go for, for uh, dinner? And I said, <laughs> The Greek. And they're like, no, where did you go? And I said, The Greek. It's called The Greek. Like I showed them. I showed them the menu, but it was yeah. exceptional. And yeah. I just can't believe how much food I got and how little I paid. So. Yeah. Okay. So what did you get up to? up? Uh, the the most important site near Thessaloniki is a place called Vergina, um, V-E-R-G-I-N-A. So mm-hmm. Vergina was one of the main cities mm-hmm. of the Macedonians. Alexander the Great was 
the king of Macedonia and his father, um, Philip the Great. Um, and Philip actually united all of mainland Greece under Macedonia and he built the town of Thessaloniki, which Thessala or Thessal is the city state of Thessaly, Niki, Nike, Victory. So it's the this Victory over Thrace is mm-hmm. how that city was named. Um, but Virginia mm. in- <laughs> Well, well done. You've done really well. <laughs> so Vergina was where Philip of Macedon was buried. And the way the Macedonians buried people, they had incredibly rich grave goods, solid gold suits of armour, whole dinner sets, ivory, precious metals and gems and all that kind of thing. But they would be- dig a deep hole and build a tomb inside it, a big mausoleum, and then they would cover it back up so it would become a hill. And this particular site mm-hmm. at Virginia uh, had has the tombs of Philip of Macedon. It also has the tombs of Alexander's the Great's son and his mother and sisters as well, mm-hmm. all in one spot. And the way mm-hmm. they built this particular mound, wow. and this is quite morbid maybe, is that they took gravestones from all of the people they had conquered and transported them to this place and built them in a tomb over top of Philip to, like, commemorate his victories. But the museum is spine-chilling. They have – they've left the mound in place and created openings in the side, so you walk down the slope into the tomb. It really mimics the Greek beliefs into descent into the underworld. And then all of the mausoleums have Mm. been left in place, so you wander around in this dim space and there's just bright spotlights on the grave goods and the different – monuments and things that have been left. There's the most incredible fresco of of Hades kidnapping Persephone. There's uh, mm-hmm. the only Chris Elephantine item. Chris Elephantine, sorry, that's a difficult word. Um, so that's a type mm-hmm. of Greek furniture or statue building where they used wood and ivory and uh, embellished it with gold. And the only known one to survive mm-hmm. was in this tomb. It's... I, I don't have words for how it feels to just yeah. descend into this sacred space yeah. and witness these funeral customs. I regret not going there. I was in Thessaloniki in July, but honestly, I was so <laughs> tired from travelling around for six weeks and I just yeah. I just really pulled back. Um, but I will get there and I've certainly written about it and everybody mm. I've spoken to uh, speaks so highly of Vagina. So it's... Yeah. Definitely worth. Um, I mean, it's not even that. No, that, no, out it's of the an way. hour from Thessaloniki. Yeah, and Thessaloniki is so yep. well connected to Athens both by both train and uh, plane. I got there mm-hmm. by ferry from Skiathos. Yeah. So. So then the next site near Thessaloniki is Pelas, which was the capital of Macedonia mm-hmm. before Thessaloniki was built. Um, in, at that time, the sea mm-hmm. levels were much higher, so Thelas was a port. Pelas, sorry, was a port city. The ancient site itself is not much to see. It's very large, but there's not a lot of uh, ruins above the ground remaining. But it has a fabulous Mm -hmm. museum that really goes into the everyday lives of Macedonian people at that time. It's got big displays of things like... Mm -hmm. um, hairpins and hairstyles and how the women would do these really intricate... And then next to that... (laughs) So this is a bit of archaeological nerd trivia, but for a very long time, we 
archaeologists would find these images of women from ancient Greece with incredibly elaborate hairstyles and couldn't figure out how they did it. And they assumed they must have been wigs, um, but they never found any evidence mm. in the archaeological record of these wigs. Um, and then in the 1990s, there became a bit of a trend for, well, a good trend for archaeologists to start working with modern-day craftspeople to understand how people had done things in ancient times. So they got a hairdresser in mm-hmm. who showed them how women would actually stitch, that they would collect old hair from out of their hairbrushes to make pads and build the hair up on their wow. heads and then they would stitch it together so it would be permanent. It's amazing. Wow. Oh, <laughs> fascinating. Oh, Okay. There's well, so much there's so much, as you said, so much. So from Thessaloniki, we actually took two days to go back to Athens because it is a bit of a longer drive. We stopped in um, Lamia. We, so we stopped in Lamia overnight. There's nothing particular to see at Lamia. There is a fort there that you can visit if you want. It's just a convenient stopping place in a reasonably large city on the way back to Athens. But on mm-hmm. the way to Lamia, we stopped at Dion which is a, was a city mm-hmm. at the base of Mount Olympus. Mount Olympus is interesting if you like mm-hmm. hiking, but um, for archaeology mm-hmm. there's yeah. nothing else There's not there. much else. But yeah. Dion was the sacred city of the Macedonians. So it is to the Macedonians what Olympia was to the Athenians and the Peloponnese. Yeah. And what's amazing at Dion, so there's several amazing things. There's a lot of intact mosaics that you can walk around. Uh, it, it's above a large natural spring, so there are freshwater fountains all over the site that you can drink from. Oh, lovely. But yeah. the best thing for me is that the ancient roads and the road system is still intact. So these are the – Dion as a sacred city was where all the rulers of Macedonia would go to sacrifice to the gods before a war or an important political matter to ensure victory. So – by walking these roads, you are literally walking in the footsteps of Alexander the Great. Wow. Um, that must have been a bit spine-tingling too, I think. I mean, I mean that man had a significant impact on, on, on ancient world history, history and certainly on, on Greece yeah. and, yeah, on that whole, that whole cradle of civilisation. Um, okay, that's really interesting. And, look, you know, I could count on my hand, one hand, I think, how many people in mm-hmm. certainly in the Facebook group have said that they've been to Dion or they've expressed interest in Dion. So it's certainly one of those um, locations that are yeah. not well known and I think people need to so – it's not. It's very, very close to the main road. Easy it's, to get to. I, would, I wouldn't plan a trip around going to Dion, but I would try to plan a trip around going to Vergina and Thessaloniki, and yeah. Dion is a very easy visit from those places. Yeah, and if you're driving between Thessaloniki and Athens, Great then place to stop. why not? You're going yeah. right past it anyway. Yeah, so we stopped in Lamia for the night, and then on the way to Athens the next day, we stopped at Thermopylae. Uh-huh, the Battle of the 300, yep. Thermopylae. Thermopylae. Um, so, which translates as the hot gates, I'm told. So, uh-huh. again... Thermopylae is is there's not a lot to see. There's a modern monument by the side of the road with a not very good museum next to it, which it was actually yeah. surprising to me because yeah. I thought there would be a lot more capitalization on the film and everything else, but there's really not. And then yeah. on the other side of the it's literally on the main highway. On one side there's a giant statue of Leonidas, and then behind the trees on mm-hmm. the other side of the highway is an this, for me, was amazing. It's the actual hill 
that the 300 had their last stand on. And you can go and stand on the top of the yeah. hill and see the little cenotaph that was originally recorded by Herodotus, which says, go tell the Spartans, strangers passing by, that here according to their laws we lie. Which is basically saying, "Wow, tell the Spartans that we died before we surrendered. We did the, we were honourable in our death." Yeah, right. <sighs> I mean, I think it it does help if you've seen the movie, um, unless you've been reading about mm-hmm. uh, ancient Greece and uh, the history of, of of the Persian Wars. Yeah, yeah, all of that. The the Persian War. If you don't know a lot about it, watch the movie. It's easy. It's quick. You, you'll get the gist of things. And then at least when you look out over that, just I know it's just a chunk of land, but it was yeah. a, a battlefield that was very significant. And it changed the way, it, it changed everything um, in that war with Persia yeah. and the way that the Greeks felt and how, I guess, how motivated and driven they it's were after that. set up the myth of Sparta for the rest of the world, for the rest of time. But I think the other thing that's important to remember there is, again, the sea levels were quite a lot higher at that time. So what looks like quite a large open plain now, it doesn't really make sense that they would have been able to hold a last stand. But actually in Greek times, the water would have come right up to where the highway is now. And there's only about three, four hundred metres between that highway and the foot of the mountains. So there's a very narrow gap that they were able to hold for several days which changed everything. We found that when we went to Troy, actually, in uh, Turkey. You can't even see the sea for, from um, from modern Troy, and yet apparently they all slept on the beach for 10, <laughs> ten years. So it would have been qu- yeah. quite a walk um, these days. Just uh, one thing worth mentioning about Thermopylae, there's actually some hot springs there. I've not been to them, but Terry takes people Thermopylae, there. Thermopylae, hot gates. Yes, that's right. That's right. And he takes people there uh, on the tour if they're going up to Meteora. And um, a lot of people love to jump out. So we tell them to pack their swimwear and they jump out and have a swim. And apparently it's actually really quite um, quite fun and interesting. So um, whilst there's not a lot to do, as you say, in terms of uh, the battles and the history, there are some other activities you can do. But again, um, it's a good stop for on the way. Yes, yes. all the way back, all the way back. Okay. That was and, the main and was that it for you guys? Yeah. Did you head back to Athens then? Yep. Okay. Wow. <laughs> well, that's an odyssey in itself. And you've covered off covered off some very big ticket items there and some truly uh, very important and very significant sites. Yeah. And I guess I want to say to people, it doesn't matter if you're not interested in the significance or the history. Like so many of these places are so beautiful. And it's such an amazing experience to, yeah. s- to see something that old, regardless of your level of interest in ancient Greek history. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So you found your mm-hmm. way back to Athens and then... Headed, hopped on a ferry and headed off to Mykonos. And, and that, that listeners, is, is where, is where I'm, going I'm going to uh, end, uh, end this episode. episode. As you can As see, you can our see, 30, our 30 minute, minute chat got a little bit out, bit out of hand. I hope you've I hope enjoyed, enjoyed uh, the chat, uh, the with, chat the with the learner as much as I have, and I and really, really look forward to you joining, joining us again, again next time when we talk about how she heads back out to some of the islands.